We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat, and we are coming to you after the NBA draft is just wrapped up. The Bulls come away with one player. We were wondering if they were going to swing a massive trade. There were tons of Rudy Gobert rumors out in the ether over the last week. The Bulls do not pull the trigger on that. We thought, well, maybe EJ Liddell, maybe Tari Eason. Eason goes one pick before the Bulls to the Houston Rockets. That was widely predicted. EJ Liddell goes in the 40s to the New Orleans Pelicans. And with the number 18 overall pick, the Chicago Bulls select Dalen Terry, a 6'7 wing out of Arizona. Sophomore wing, uh, very much fits the sort of player the Bulls have targeted since Arturis Karnaschovas has come into power in the front office. Terry is a long athletic wing with great physical tools who has mostly been a low usage glue guy style player for Arizona on the perimeter. Only averaged eight points a game as a sophomore on Arizona. Obviously was playing a key role on a team that earned a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he's someone who is not going to be a guy who's going to be a primary scoring option. Of all the players who played for Arizona this year, of the 14 guys who Arizona gave minutes to, Dalen Terry had the lowest usage rate out of all of them. And my boy, P.D. Webb, who you can follow on Twitter at Above the Break 3, did a nice little breakdown of the guys with uh, the lowest usage rates ever drafted in the first round. Not a super promising collection of guys, but none of them are guards. It's Jackson Hayes, it's Matisse Thibel, it's Patrick Patterson, it's Trey Murphy, it's Steven Adams, and then they had Kendall Marshall there too, a former UNC guard, but Dalen Terry's a really interesting player, Jason, because, you know, I think it's it's pretty similar to the IO pick in that he's long, he's bigger than IO, uh, he's a guy who has a lot of, like, winning attributes, 
but he's not someone who's particularly strong in one area, in my opinion. So I really liked watching Dalen Terry this year. I had picked Arizona to win the national championship. Terry was part of the reason why I did that. I had him number 15 on my board. I think the way the draft played out, this draft was very fluid from like basically 18 to 40. Seeing Liddell go in the 40s, watching some of the moves the Grizzlies made on the night, giving up two picks for number 19, I believe that was uh, was pretty discouraging after the Bulls take Terry. They also trade DeAnthony Melton, could have been a good pick pick up for the Bulls. But uh, Jason, how are you feeling about Dalen Terry after the pick came in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, as you all know, terrible person talking draft stuff. Uh, so I've been trying to do some reading. We, we kind of talked about him, uh, on our last pod with Brian. Uh, I mean, you guys seem to both kind of like him and obviously the bulls coming into the draft were like, oh, they could use some size. They could use shooting. They didn't really address that, but obviously you don't necessarily want to draft for need. Uh, they both seem to really like Dale and Terry. Dale and Terry seems to really love the Bulls. Uh, and I'm just reading just some of the stuff he was saying afterwards and reading up some of these scouting reports. Like you said, pretty versatile player. Was it all Pac-12 defense guy? Uh, just reading like the the athletic uh, Darnell and Sam uh, Vecini, the way they were describing is that he's just ton ball of energy and he kind of he was in that kind of shine through in the Zoom thing. Ball of energy, enthusiastic, huge motor, which uh, – leads to me to believe that, as we all like to say these days, that he's got that dog in him. Ricky, does, would you say that Dale and Terry has that dog in him? Which we've, I've talked about how the Bulls need more dogs. And would you say that? It's, it certainly seems that way. Yeah, absolutely. He's so, I, I remember watching the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas this year. Arizona had lost their starting point guard, Kirk Carissa, so Terry was taking on more playmaking duties. And Terry had the crowd in the palm of his hand during Arizona's games in the Pac-12 tournament. He was the heart and soul of the team. Ben Matherin was their biggest star. But I was verging close to a take that Terry was a better prospect than Matherin, if only because I sort of questioned some of Matherin's, like, skill development outside of shooting. I thought Matherin was a little bit one-dimensional. Terry's a guy who doesn't have one particularly strong strength, but, you know, pretty solid all around. Now, mostly he's going to be a passer and a playmaker. I think that that's the main thing he brings. Six seven, seven foot or seven one wingspan, and most comfortable with the ball in his hands. Now, Arizona mostly ran a motion offense that you don't really see in the NBA, so it's not like Daylon Terry was, like, operating out of a lot of ball screens. He was mostly doing, like, Uh, you know, getting the ball off pitches, off dribble handoffs, and throwing some absolutely sick backdoor passes. That was one thing that shows up all over the tape. Good lob thrower, good backdoor pass thrower. Uh, So his passing ability is kind of his defining trait. And then defensively, really good at hounding smaller guards on the perimeter. And really just the uh, the energy, the joy, the enthusiasm that this guy plays with jumps off the tape. So he's someone that I think you want to bet on based on the intangibles. Now, tangibly, it's like if you're going to be a top 20 pick, shouldn't you score more than eight points a game? Shouldn't you be able to operate at a little higher usage? Uh, so it's a really interesting pick by the Bulls. Uh, I thought that I was like way higher on him than anyone else, putting him at number 15. When I was doing my mock draft where I did, like, who I would take for every team, 
when I assumed that he was going to be part of the core with uh, Bancaro and Jalen Green, when I thought Bancaro was going to go third to Houston, I thought, oh, this is the perfect guy to put between two stars because he keeps the ball moving. He defends multiple positions. He's going to be really good in transition. And that kind of fits with the Bulls, too, right, between uh, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. I think that Terry's a guy who, you know, can uh, sort of slide in between those two guys. Now, he's going to have to get more confident with the jump shot. Yeah. He end the year on a really encouraging stretch from three, but he does not shoot an easy ball. I think he was 48% over his last 12 games, according to the box in one on YouTube, they put together a great Terry uh, scouting report as they did with every prospect. Follow my guy, Adam Spinello, watch that on YouTube. Uh, and Terry was mostly a guy who was like record scratching on threes throughout the majority of the year, started to take him more late in the season. The shots started falling and he really just kind of like blossomed. I think towards the end of the year in the postseason of the PAC 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. And then, uh, I think just like lit people up in interviews. Like you talk to him, he has an infectious personality. I know our boy Sean Hyken talked to him during a workout in Portland. And Terry said, you know, the Blazers got the seventh pick. I don't think we got a second rounder. Like you're in the building though. Why are you here? And Dale and Terry said, well, when they do a redraft in 10 years, I'm going to go way higher than I do in an actual draft. So if that's the case when the Bulls took him at number 18, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. We got Kevin Farrigan here. Kevin, how are you feeling about the Jalen Terry? Hold on. First of all, let's let's address the breaking news here that the Bulls, that apparently everyone loves, that the Bulls have signed Marquette's Justin Lewis to a two-way deal for Shams. So, yeah. Yeah, Justin Lewis, a guy a lot of people had as a first-round talent. Bulls get him as an undrafted free agent. Um, I think looking at RookieScale.com, Ricky's friend John, uh, his website that has the consensus rankings had Justin Lewis as the 41st best prospect. And that's like an aggregation of um, all of like the sort of Intel based mocks plus draft Twitter. And I think John adjusts that for, you know, how detailed the, the scout is on for each um, in terms of weighting it. In any case, uh, Justin Lewis, good player, a guy that uh, fits what I was hoping that they would do with getting a another pick, uh, which was not that I wasn't happy with Dale and Terry, but um, I thought that there were obviously opportunities to get additional guys um, and the Bulls need more depth. Um, and Justin Lewis, I think, is a, is a guy that will uh, will probably get some minutes for them, hopefully. Because uh, they just need forwards, and uh, he, he is a forward. So, um, but as far as Dalen Terry goes, uh, I like the the length. I like his confidence. Um, I like that he, uh, as we all like to say, has that dog in him. Um, but mostly, I just I just like how uh, I think eager he is to get to work. Um, that a, a guy with his sort of um, tools and motor in terms of uh when he plays i think that uh, if you pair that with the special work ethic um that's generally how you uh hit in the teens and early 20s and um he from everything that i've heard uh from people that know this stuff better than i do all of his intel as far as work ethic goes is great so 
Um, I'm pretty into to Dale and Terry. Um, I know that some people said that he, he might be a little bit. I think uh, my uh, co-host from Dennis Podman, Brian, said that uh, Dalen might be a little duplicative with IO, but having two IOs actually sounds pretty good to me. So um, I'm I'm into that. Yeah, to me, Terry is just sort of the type of guy you want to bet on. And I keep coming back to that Pac-12 tournament, dude. It was like Gladiator <laughs> with him just having the crowd in the palm of his hand, working everyone into a frenzy. I said earlier today, Dalen Terry, no field goal attempts, just vibes. And that's the type of player he is. Now, of course, like, let, let's talk about him as a player more because – Right, I was saying, like, like – Okay, like this obviously does sound great. Now the vibes, the vibes sound immaculate here. Like I said, I just, uh, I was joking around on Twitter right before that. Like Io with Io and Terry, call them the dog boys off the bench. But as we saw when the Bulls, the Bulls lacked three point shooting, uh, and like we saw their offense get totally choked off uh, because they had guys, too many guys that just couldn't do shit offensively. So like, is this something you would be really concerned about him, or can he make? an impact offensively, even if the shot doesn't come around? Do you think there are good signs that it will come around? Like you said, he did get better as the season went on. He shot 36% on two attempts per game this last season. So, like, functionally, like, again, I guess also how, like, do you think he will be impact? Like, can he play right away? Uh, or is it, this going to take some time? I know he's pretty young. So I think he's still only 19. Well, what I think is interesting is that this pick is somewhat similar to both Patrick Williams yeah. and Oldesumu, where it's like he's not a great shooter, but he's got good tools, so it's like we think we can teach him how to shoot. Yeah. Now, it would make sense if the Bulls hired a shooting coach for the first fucking time in franchise history to try to teach guys like Io and Dalen Terry to become better outside shooters. That's something I'm going to be pounding the table on as this season gets closer and as the draft wraps up now. Bulls have to hire a shooting coach, like, especially when you're going to make this type of investment in Dalen Terry. He's someone who could have gone in the second round. There was also rumors that the Grizzlies really liked him, which should be a strong sign for a Bulls draft pick because the Grizzlies pretty much don't miss when it comes to the draft. So, uh, you know, there were all these rumors leading up to the draft that the Bulls didn't love their options at 18, right? That was everywhere. That was on ESPN. It was pretty much like the main thing you were hearing about the Bulls pick is that they were shopping number 18 in Kobe to see what they could get. Clearly, they didn't find anything they could get. But what's a bummer is that Minnesota got 22 and 29. So I don't know if the Bulls wanted two guaranteed rookie first round deals this year. But to me, that's like tremendous value to just move back a couple picks. Maybe Terry would have been off the board. And I do think they wanted Terry. But uh, in general, like... 11 points a game for Dale and Terry, 11.5 points per game per 40 minutes. So when I was talking about Terry on a podcast earlier this year, or just a couple weeks ago on the No Ceilings podcast, the Draft Act podcast, I said that what he could really use is a floater because uh, he just didn't have much of an in-between game in Arizona. And when you're a guard who isn't going to, like, cram on people in the half court – just like being able to have that floater, especially versus drop coverage, is so versatile. But Arizona didn't really run a system that was conducive to that. Like I said, it was like not a ball screen heavy offense that you see in the NBA. I think Dalen Terry ran like one isolation the entire year, according to Synergy. 
And that sounds ridiculous when he was a guy who played over a thousand minutes in his college season as a sophomore and ran one isolation the entire year. But that's just the type of system Arizona had. So I'm fascinated to see how he's going to fit into a modern NBA offense. But in general, he's going to have to prove that he can beat defenses with his scoring to really unlock his passing. And his passing is the best thing he has going for him at this stage in his career. Uh, and, you know, I think that he's going to be someone who really fits nicely between Levine and DeRozan. Like, you can run him in lineups with those two guys and feel pretty good about it from an early point in his career. In terms of is he going to contribute, I mean, I didn't think Iowa was going to contribute early last year at all when they took him. And, Jason, if you go back and listen to that episode, we flame that Iowa pick, especially <laughs> me. So, uh, with Terry, I'm very much taking a wait-and-see approach. I think that there were certainly other avenues that popped up during the draft where you're like, oh, why didn't the Bulls trade for DeAnthony Melton? Why didn't the Bulls move back a couple spots and pick up another pick? Why didn't the Bulls, uh, you know, try to buy a second rounder? Well, they get a guy who they easily could have taken in the second round in Justin Lewis. So uh, in general, I'm I'm, uh, excited about Terry because I think he's the type of guy who you just want on your team and who you can bet on improving his weaknesses. Uh, and I think, once again, this shows that AK has a type of uh, sort of valuing long, rangy perimeter players with good size in the backcourt who aren't strong shooters. So, uh, you know, if Terry or Io can make a star turn, that would be awesome. But Io ended up being a very good pick last year. I think Io's going to be even better this year with the season of experience under his belt. And I think Terry's going to be a guy Bulls fans really love. I mean, yeah, he definitely seems like he could easily become a fan favorite, as you said, uh, just with the, the, just the emotion and just the energy that he brings. You said, like, basically playing to the crowd, uh, uh, at Arizona. And I mean, it's certainly, like I said, a lot of, a lot of appealing things here. Uh, you just, I guess you, you do wonder how, like, what, as, as like a bench guy, as a role guy, sounds like he, he sounds like a dude who should be, is like, has a pretty good, I guess, what floor and that he like there he does so many things decently well right. and with the energy that he should like he shouldn't bust out it's just a matter of like can he actually be like how much can he really contribute when it really matters uh, and obviously at 19 like you can't expect that much from him right now but um the bulls need guys who can play they need wings uh so like i mean you could certainly talk me into this guy for sure from what i've read so far um yeah i don't know we'll see <laughs> Kevin, were you surprised that, uh, you know, they didn't try to make a move for a veteran? Um, yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised. I, I think just – I think we all got our uh, our hopes up with the um, the rumors that they were looking to move Kobe and 18. I think they are clearly in, um, you know, some sort of win-now mode. Um, so I, I kind of – expected some kind of move especially considering like you know i like i said i'm I'm excited about terry but uh the fact that they could have conceivably gotten uh d'anthony melton uh in 29 for the 18th pick given that the wolves got that well if you look at the way that the trades shook out um that's essentially what the value was for 19 um it just uh, that seems like better than just Dale and Terry. 
Um, but uh, I guess maybe D'Anthony De- Melton is a little duplicative when you already have Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and Ayo DeSumo. Um, but also so is Dalen Terry. Like, I don't know. Uh, Melton seems like kind of a similar uh, player, but like actually good right now to Dalen Terry. So that's like the only thing that didn't that I didn't really quite get. The other part just being that like, you know, there were all these Rudy Gobert rumors and I kind of felt like if that was going to happen, it was going to happen uh, tonight and it didn't. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't hate anything that happened. Um, I thought, I think that they got two good players uh, with getting Lewis as a undrafted free agent, but um, it, it, I think that, you know, th- this is what always happens when, um, you get really excited for trades, and then not, nothing really happens. Uh, as, as a the slot you know, merchants, they, yeah, they, they hoodwinked yeah, us. As, as, as Trill Bro Dude would say, uh, we didn't get nearly enough slop. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I uh, shout out to Porter, but not enough slop for my liking. And um, but you know, I'll, I'll just take it as it, as it goes. I, I liked, I, I overall like the guys that they got. I just it seems like they left some money on the table. Yeah. So one thing I want to say about Terry compared to D'Anthony Melton or other guards in that ilk is that Terry really is pretty fucking big, like six, seven and a quarter, seven, one wingspan. He's got an eight, 10 standing reach, which is bigger than Leonard Miller, who is six, 10. Uh, it's bigger than a lot of guys who are, you know, taller than him. So Long arms, I think that, you know, he's got a thin frame, so he's going to need to bulk up. And mostly he was defending smaller guards at the college level. Uh, ideally, you know, this could be a guy who's a wing stopper for the Bolts because he is a little bit bigger than Io. He has good size for a wing if he can add strength. So uh, I think that that's sort of what separates him from – Someone like Melton, who I think is only like a 6'8 wingspan guy. Now, obviously, Melton's a total maniac. Melton has proven that he plays much bigger than his size and that he's an awesome NBA defender. If the Bulls came away with a proven player like Anthony Melton today, I would have been thrilled. But I do think Terry's the type of guy who should be able to provide plus value on a rookie contract and give you some depth that the Bulls really lacked last year. And the Bulls' depth was so poor last season that Io really became – just a completely essential part of the rotation. Uh, he kind of fell out of the rotation when the playoffs came, but they needed IO to soak up a lot of minutes throughout the year. So the bulls last year were weak in like number seven, number eight, number nine, number 10 in their rotation. And uh, I think Terry's a guy who, you know, could soak up some of those minutes next year. Nice. Um, thoughts on, uh, I said, was it Justin Lewis for Marquette? Because like I said, it seems like there's a, uh, lot of good like a lot of good things here let's get a let's get a scouting report on justin lewis and where you think he could fit in yeah the thing with justin lewis is he's just huge six seven two forty five oh. very much built a game built on just like power getting to his spots finishing uh he had pretty good three-point shooting improvement this year which is what really caused his draft stock to soar. I remember when he was a freshman coming into college, I was talking to Ross Homan, who is now a scout for the Rockets. And Ross was like, this is one of the guys who I really like coming into this year. As a freshman, he didn't put up great numbers, uh, was mostly coming off the bench. 
didn't have a huge role on the team. And then as a sophomore, Lewis just exploded into being a, basically a primary option wing scorer. 17 points a game, improved to a pretty good three-point shooter on high volume. Over five attempts, 35% from three. And he's someone who just wins with strength, I feel like. He's like a strength-based creator. Not super quick. That would be the knock on him. He has sort of slow feet. When you're 6'7", 245, when you're just as big as Justin Lewis is, you're not going to be as fleet of foot. But I guess what I like about him is he plays with a lot of power. He has a huge, super-duper strong frame. And he's someone who's going to be able to handle NBA physicality from day one. So... Uh, Kev, was Justin Lewis someone on your radar at all? I know that Brian liked him quite a bit. I think Brian had him as a top 20 prospect in the draft on his draft capsules. So just wondering what you think of Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I was pumped when they uh, when they the, the announcement that he was signed uh, went down. I mean, partially just because he was um, at the time that he was signed, literally the very top player on Jonathan Gavoni's uh, remaining undrafted free agent. Uh, player list. Um, yeah, Brian has been talking about him for a while. Um, he's Lewis is a guy that I feel like has moved around a lot on people's boards. Like he was at, as high as like just outside the lottery for people at some points, and then um, you know down into the 40s, uh, and then obviously went undrafted. Um, but you know, once once guys get out of the first round, you never really know what that means because like. A lot of the times, guys, agents um, will say, "Hey, don't draft me. I, you know, I just want to be an undrafted free agent and pick where I go." And um, you know, that doesn't always work. Uh, but um, I, I do like Lewis. Um, I, I have to admit that I haven't watched a ton of him, but just like everything that I've read about him from people that have watched him and that I trust uh, is is pretty good. And also, just like. Um, at a certain point, the the Bulls just need to take swings on guys with his dimensions, um, and uh, they need more guys like that are built like Patrick Williams, and he's the closest uh, thing that they have now to another Pat, and uh, that is uh, a good thing. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I got Brian's draft capsules up. Brian actually ranked him 25, and I'm going to read what Brian wrote about him. So first of all, like I said, the dude is just huge. 6'7", 7'2 wingspan, 240 pounds. Under the Why He'll Succeed section, Brian wrote, built like a young Paul Millsap, one of the strongest and sturdiest players in this entire class, hugely powerful under the rim with great balance and footwork, rapidly emerging as a pull-up shooting threat, was mostly a small ball five as a freshman and has suddenly leapt up in both usage and versatility, shooting versatility, over this season. Great length and burst makes him a terror in transition, one of the nation's most prolific dunkers. Vacuum hands and broad shoulders make him an extremely effective rebounder on both ends once he seals in the paint. Just seems to be barely scratching the surface of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Lewis fairly easily gets to his spots and is turning into the one, of, one of the best scorers in the Big East before even turning 20. Uh, and then it says, while fail, just an okay defender, walls off for rebounds a little too much, is seemingly stuck between having the mindset of a small, big, or a large wing, has a motor frame and athleticism to be an impactful defender, but hasn't quite figured it out yet, is a high release point on his jumper, but is still inconsistent on his actual release point, this will likely improve NBA training, but it could hold him back from being a true mismatch hunter at the next level. Ultimately, more of a giant wing than a true forward center type. His NBA comparisons for him are P.J. Washington and Kenny Thomas. So, you know, just to have someone this big with some emerging perimeter skill, I think is really encouraging. Uh, it's always really interesting when guys like this make the transition to the league who are like studs in college have been big time recruits, you know, a dude who turned pro after two years in the big East, because he was such a good scorer at that level. Okay. Now what's your role going to be in the NBA? How can you transition into a role player? I think someone like Terry was just made to be a role player, made to be a glue guy. Someone like Lewis was kind of always a star uh, or became a star this last year. So, you know, how does he fit into a broader team structure? He's going to be the guy who's going to be really, really fun to watch in summer league. So when summer league starts uh, in two weeks now in Las Vegas, having both Dalen Terry and Justin Lewis on the team, I think is going to make for a really interesting evaluation process. Now, remember, Io was terrible in summer league last year and ended up being a really good rookie. Uh, but I'm I'm super excited to watch Justin Lewis in summer league. That's a fun fun UDFA signing. I just want to say real quick that um, Brian comparing uh, Justin Lewis to PJ Washington. Given how much Brian likes PJ Washington, uh, people should know that that is a a big compliment from coming from him because uh, my man loves PJ Washington. Always has. And we've talked about trying to get PJ Washington on the Bulls for a while now, haven't we? I feel like we have. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, PJ would be like kind of perfect for what the Bulls need next to Vooch and like as a again another Patrick Williams sized guy, but like actually good at basketball. <laughs> uh, so I got Terry's uh, synergy page up, ninety first percentile in transition for Dalen Terry this year, which is excellent. Spent twenty five percent of his possessions in transition. Was really good there in the half court. 50 percentile average all around uh spot ups 47 percent was average he was very good at offensive rebounds and putbacks ranked in the 78th percentile there and like i said is a pick and roll ball handler he like barely had any usage whatsoever there and only one isolation percentage one isolation possession the entire year. That is just like totally wild for the number 18 overall pick to only have one isolation possession. But that speaks more to Arizona's system than it does uh, Terry's skill set, in my opinion. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be really fun following this guy, I think. And, you know, just because of the type of system he played in, in Arizona, it does feel more like a bet on his mentality and his tools than it does on his current skill set. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Like, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't want to say like because Pat doesn't have the mentality. Like, just reading this, it did feel like a similar. I guess you, you did kind of say it like kind of similar to how how the Bulls picked Pat. Like, he kind of has got riser uh, and just like betting on his skills. I guess again, maybe not the mentality because Pat doesn't seem to really have the mentality, at least not yet. And then with Io, another guy, tools betting on just like Io's again more of the dog betting on him getting better and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, like I said, that will be a super interesting question. We had a question here from Mr. Uh, Seaford here in the, in the discussion chat. Uh, do you see any shades of uh, Rondo in Dale and Terry's tape? I don't think anyone should get a Rondo comp, just like I don't think <laughs> anyone should get a Lonzo Ball comp, unless you're literally related to Lonzo Ball. Rondo <laughs> just plays with so much funk. I guess Terry does, too. Terry does play with some funk. He is a bigger point guard, but, I mean, he's 6'7". Obviously, Rondo's super long. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be – I think Terry's going to be more of a wing, whereas Rondo was Pure point. a point guard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see, like, how much weight can Terry add to his frame? And then if he is adding weight to his frame, like, what sort of defensive assignments is he taking on? So he's definitely going to – should be, like, a switchable defender. Someone who plays with high energy, I think those are both attributes that Rondo had. But Rondo was just, like, a next-level passing genius. Yeah, right. I, so I asked him that for, like – I'm reading these scouting reports, and you said that his pe- – playmaking is like a really big part of him how much of that do you think will translate in the nba like do you think the bulls will ever have him play point much uh maybe not this year obviously but like how what where do you see that developing in the nba in terms of like his point guard skills yeah i think he's someone who doesn't really play a position he very much fits into you know new positionless basketball he has guard skills like he was raised with the ball in his hands raised as a ball handler and passer which is like the best thing possible for development right like do that in a young age uh and then figure the rest of it out so yeah i think that he's someone who can fit into multiple different lineup configurations and in general i know some people in my mentions were pretty upset that the bulls you know didn't get a guy who's a knockdown shooter, got a guy who struggles to shoot, and they didn't get a guy who's like a front court player. And I get that, but in the draft, you don't draft for need. 
you should draft for just the best available player. You can get need, you know, in free agency. We'll see what they do, you know, with any trades this offseason. Is a Rudy Gobert deal still on the table? Is Gobert really going to go back to Minnesota after, you know, so much? Or I'm sorry, is he really going to go back to Utah after so much smoke that the Jazz were going to break it up? I don't know. One thought I had during this draft is that the Pistons had such an amazing draft getting Jaden Ivey and that sucks. Jaden Bulls. <laughs> that the Bulls should just trade for Gobert because the Bulls are not going to be able to compete with that team in the future. With Cade, Ivy, and Duren, it's like, wow, that's going to be super difficult. So, do you think that the, well, do you think the Pistons took, what, Jalen Duren, right, you said? Do you think that takes them out on Aiton? I, I guess I, I still think the Suns should absolutely bring Aiton back. If they let him go, that'd be ridiculous. But well, the assumption was that the Suns, the Pistons were going to throw a max sheet at Aiton. Uh, do you think this this takes them out? Of that or no? I would still go after Aiden if I were them, but I think Mark Stein said that they want Brunson, which is a worse fit to me than Aiden. I'd rather have Aiden than Brunson. Uh, so I don't know. The Knicks want Brunson too. Well, the Knicks, yeah, the Knicks did all this crazy shit today to try to clear cap space for Brunson. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I mean the yeah the Pistons getting Ivy Kings. I mean, I know Keegan Murray. I don't know what you. Th- Think about Keegan Murray to the Kings letting Ivy get to the Pistons. That seems like Ivy just way higher ceiling. Uh, and just like I, it seems like him going to the Pistons is not great for the Bulls. But uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, Kevin, you got any Ivy takes for us or any Pistons takes? Oh, I mean, the Pistons had maybe the best draft. Um, I mean, I relative to. Uh, where they were drafting, I think the Grizzlies, as always, did the best. But um, the in terms of just overall ceiling value, uh, everything that I have read about both Duran and um, Ivy is that they both are two of the higher ceiling guys in in this draft. And you're pairing them with Cade, who um, you know doesn't have the athletic pop that those two guys have, but is kind of like uh, the brains of the operation. So. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel good to have them in our division. You know, I mean, divisions obviously don't matter that much, but like also, uh, yeah, it, I was definitely not, uh, pleased to, to see them end up with, um, Ivy and Duran and, uh, all this cap space to also go improve their team in, in free agency. And that's before they even, you know, they might, they might uh, could flip um, Kelly Olynyk to somebody for cap space, like maybe the Celtics or something. I'll take Kelly Olynyk uh, here. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying if they want to create more cap space, uh, like I don't know how, how, like I don't think we could take him into like just cap space, but um, right, I think he's making yeah. like over 13 million. He, I think he'd yeah, go into the Celtics the, trade exception. Yeah, the Bulls uh, trade exception is not large enough to to take Kelly, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the, the Pistons had a great night. Um, and, uh, I, I'm uh, and, like, everyone was questioning not, including not myself, like, the, the Jeremy Grant trade was yesterday. Like it seemed like he went for nothing. I think that basically turned into Duran, I think is how it all like shook out. So like, yeah, they used uh, to I, obviously that one that trade. What's that? I said they moved the, they, they used the pick from that trade, I think to move up to get the, from 13 to to or not 13 to just to move up to get um Duran right 
yeah, to get Durin yeah. from from wherever they were, um, or just to to buy back into the the first round. Right. I guess. Yeah. The the what the Knicks did was weird. Um, they they spent a lot of uh, draft capital to um, to get off of like nine million dollars worth of Kemba Walker. Yeah, yeah. They they got like three firsts, then they like sent one and like four seconds to the Hornets. Uh, and then they like got they got that Milwaukee the 2025 pick that was in the Jeremy Grant trade, yeah, all to basically offer Jalen Brunson like 20 whatever 25 to 30 million, and it seems like he might go back to the Mavs anyways. Maybe the Mavs won't. Yeah, pay. I don't understand the the Brunson thing with with them. They already have Cade. I mean, granted, they're like just at such a talent deficit. To I mean, they have like a lot of good young players that, but like they're not good yet. Um, just they're talented, uh, but they don't know how to win like in the NBA yet. But uh, Brunson, I, I, I mean, I don't know. You, you're going to take the ball out of Cade's hands and put it. in Well, Brunson's I was talking hands. more about the Knicks, but. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Is like, uh, I don't know. The, the are the Pistons and the Knicks after just doing that trade going to be like in a bidding war over um, <laughs> maybe over Brunson? And did the did the uh, Pistons just give them a leg up in trying to get Brunson? I don't, I don't know. It's very weird stuff. It is. Um, let, I mean, I, let's talk about, I guess, Bulls look ahead now. Bulls free agency obviously is in a week. Um, you t- we talked about the Rudy Gobert stuff. I guess, wh- R- Ricky, you just said you you would like to see them trade for Gobert. Uh, Kevin, how are you feeling about the Rudy Gobert stuff? Like you said, it seemed like if it was going to happen, it was going to happen tonight. It has did not. Uh, where are you guys on that? Do you think they should push for that? Do you think they should include Patrick Williams in that in a Rudy Gobert trade offer. Uh, yeah, just in general, where are you guys at in the Gobert stuff right now? Um, I, I can just <laughs> jump in, I guess. Uh, I will say that I would still like them to do it. Uh, I think that, one, uh, I don't want to pay Vooch his next contract, and so I think using that salary uh, to aggregate up and, and go get somebody um, is a good move uh, and to, to get a salary that you can roll over. Cause basically the bulls are going to be capped out going yeah. forward for a yeah. while. So it makes sense to like, people talk about Rudy's contract. Like it's a bad thing. It's like, well, if you just lose that Vooch salary slot, that's not the best thing either. Um, and I think Rudy Gobert, even if he starts to become a little bit washed, his ceiling was so much higher that like, he's still going to be less of a negative value contract than whatever Vooch gets on his next deal, unless you get like Vooch to come back for a bargain. Um, and even then, like, I don't know. I don't know that how much value Vooch is going to have on his next contract, no matter how cheap it is. Um, uh, not that I think Vooch is a bad player, but just like he'll probably be like neutral value at best. And um, also will just kind of be a guy as opposed to, I think Rudy will still have like, pretty much like star level impact, even if it's not on the side of the ball that people like. Um, so I, I would do it um, unless there's a better deal out there, but I just don't know what the, uh, like I don't really see the chances that there's going to be a superstar level impact guy that's available for like the relatively crappy package that the bulls have because the bulls are still like not super future asset laden. Yeah, I just feel like get. I don't really want to spend a ton of time on this now because it's late. I still have work to do. Twelve fifteen. <laughs> uh, but I f- just feel like getting Gobert would just 
seriously improved their chances at making a run in the Eastern Conference playoffs this year. He would be a gigantic upgrade over Vooch. Vooch is an offense first big man. Gobert's a defensive first big man, so it would change the entire complexion of the team. But Gobert's defense is way stronger than Vooch's offense. And Gobert's offense is probably better than Vooch's defense. So it would just be a big upgrade overall. I think if you're putting Lonzo and, you know, the Lonzo update tonight, again, pretty scary. Yeah, I, I did want to bring that up. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, that he's rehabbing in L.A. Uh, there are Bulls trainers out there to see him. But that like when asked like if he would be ready for training camp, it was I hope so. Or basically something like that. And that like like would he be ready to play right now? It doesn't seem like it. So uh, yeah, not great on the Lonzo front, so I guess you just have to cross your fingers there. Sorry, go ahead, Ricky. Yeah, like, if you could get Lonzo back healthy, AC and Gobert, like, that would be an incredible defense. And basically the best possible defensive lineup you could put next to two bad defensive players in DeRozan and Levine who carry your offense. So uh, I like that. I like Kevin's point about protecting the asset. That's something that I said as well. Very reminiscent of the Warriors being able to, uh, you know, sign D'Angelo Russell to that contract, which no one thought he deserved. But having that contract was the only way they were going to be able to take on someone like Andrew Wiggins. So just like having that contract on the books, I think could facilitate another trade. I think you could always attach more first round picks to move Rudy Gobert. Uh, if you need to do that. And ultimately, if the package is Vooch, well, so that's what we were thinking. It was going to be Vooch 18 and Pat. Like, I just don't think that's a lot to give up for Rudy Gobert, who would really improve the Bulls immeasurably. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of picking a direction. And Patrick Williams is, like, really the most valuable trade asset the Bulls have. He's viewed as, like, the bridge from, like, the DeRozan era to possibly a future era. But, you know, instead of trying to straddle the two lines, I feel like that sounds much better in theory than it works out in practice the majority of the time. Now, granted, I was beating the drum that the Warriors should have traded their young guys to maximize their title window this year, and they won the title. They also have Steph Curry. They also have Steph Curry. Yeah, exactly. They have a top five player, top ten player of all time. So, uh, yeah, I, I would I would like the Bulls to do that trade if it's not going to cost you a ton. And given the fact that Gobert's making, you know, 40-some-odd million for the next four four years, I think, like, maybe Utah wants to just get him off the books. But, like, if Utah was to do that trade for Patrick Williams and Vooch, Utah is so much worse after that deal. Oh, yeah. And I think the Bulls are much better equipped to go through the Eastern Conference with Giannis on Milwaukee, Embiid on Philly, Time Lord and Al Horford in Boston, Bam in Miami – like, Gobert's the type of guy who you bring him into that mix, and now you're ready to go. Now, I don't know if, you know, ownership is going to sign off on paying Rudy Gobert $45 million, but, you know, AK's got to advocate for himself in those type of situations if that's a hang-up. So, right. yeah, I'd like to go bear. I do think the point about, like, whatever, the East contenders is a good one. Because the whole thing about Gobert is, well, whatever, he gets played off the court in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah, maybe he would against, like, certain matchups, yes. He's not – he has issues, whatever, if teams go five out. And it doesn't help when uh, the Jazz have absolutely useless players in front of him who can't stop anybody. Well, uh, but, yeah, I mean, the East, in the East, you're facing, like you said, you got – 
Embiid. You got Giannis. They play huge. Giannis and Brook Lopez. Celtics play two bigs. Sometimes they obviously do go smaller, but uh, still, the Heat have Bam uh, as their starting center. Like Gobert, obviously, is someone who you could help neutralize Bam. Like, go down the line and like all these East teams. Like Gobert is not getting played off the court against any of those teams. If you look over in the West, maybe a few of those teams, but like he would make the Bulls so a lot better. Uh, I definitely, I mean, I don't certainly don't want to stand Rudy Gobert. I, like, I don't think he's like amazing. I understand people don't want to like cash in chips on him if they don't think he's the right guy. But like, the, he would make the Bulls a lot better. He would take them another step forward. I think he's almost underrated at this point. So like, I would probably kind of want to do it now too, just because it'd be also a, trades are fun and seeing how things turn out like that way that way are fun. But uh, Kevin, did you have anything something else to say about this? Seemed like you did. Yeah, I was just gonna say the the thing about the 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 idea that Rudy gets played off the court in the playoffs is just he literally has the worst fucking perimeter defenders <laughs> in the league. Like, yeah, he can't he can't guard the cor- the corner three and the rim when the other team is literally getting a free run at the basket every time down the floor b- because his point of attack defenders uh, are clowns who don't even try like Donovan Mitchell and uh, Clarkson. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not Walsh, gonna say Conley doesn't. Yeah, I'm not going to say Conley doesn't try, but Conley is washed, like, yeah. physically. He, and he's small. So, like, Conley was a good defender, but he's small and he's he's old now, so he can't he can't play defense. Like, their best defender is... is uh, Royce O'Neal? Roy, Royce O'Neal. Like, Royce O'Neal is, like, would be, like, one of the Bulls' worst defenders on the perimeter. Like, he's, he's like, fine. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's their stopper. The Bulls have such better point of attack defense that Rudy would not get played off the played off the court. The only way he might get played off the court is just like um, the the fact that the Bulls' spacing would be atrocious because Demar right. uh, yeah. operates in the mid range and Rudy like cannot shoot outside of like uh, two feet from the basket. Yeah, the and, offense like, would definitely could just ignore him. Yeah, the play in the playoffs definitely would have questions about the offense, especially with the, just the current. After this trade, if they made it, the lack of shooting on the roster teams, yeah, would pack the paint. Uh, and just like DeRozan and the load up on, again, loading up on like DeRozan and Zach and could be problematic. Obviously, Lonzo would need to stay healthy. They would badly need him. They'd need to, they need, they would need to, add, and they need to add sh- shooters anyways. And we'll see what they do about that. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I think I do think Gobert's almost become underrated. Like people talk about how, how he has this horrible contract, and it's big. It's probably a bit too much. Like if you're a center and you're not like Embiid or Jokic, like and you're making a max and you're making forty million a year, is it too much? Probably a little bit, but like, I mean, he still helps you win a lot of games. So I feel like it's tough to call it like a horrible contract when he does help you win a shit ton of basketball games, even if there are some of the questions in the playoffs. We'll see if any of this comes to fruition. Uh, I know Ricky, we got. I know you got more stuff to do. I don't want to go too much longer here. Any other any and any other guys you want to see in free agency? Really quick targets. I know Eversley talked about uh, rim protection. Obviously, Gobert kind of would cover that if they made that trade. But otherwise, any just like one or two names you would love to see the Bulls go after in free agency. You know, the guy I wanted was Kyle Anderson on the mid level exception, but that's another non shooter. (laughs) <laughs> so I just wonder, like, how many non-shooters can the Bulls really put on the floor? They're already 30th in three-point rate last year. I do think Kyle Anderson's a good player, though, and I think he would really help them beef up their forward depth. So I still wouldn't mind Kyle Anderson. How would you feel about that, Kev? 
Um, I mean, I had the same concerns as you. I, I, I love slow-mo as a player. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you do the, if you do the Gobert trade, um, then you've got potentially DeMar, slow-mo and Gobert all on the floor at once with, you know, Lonzo and, and Zach as your best spacers. Like that's pretty, that's pretty pinched. Um, like it might still work just because slow mo is really smart and like defensively they would be very good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I like, I like the idea of Nick Claxton, even though he's another non-shooter. Um, but the reporting was out there that if he gets offered, you know, a full MLE deal that he probably, uh, won't be back in, in Brooklyn. Cause apparently Joe Sy is being a broke boy. Um, <laughs> And uh, well, God only knows what's actually happening in Brooklyn right now. Uh, yeah, that well, that's thing the other thing. They're fucked. in disarray. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. KD to the Bulls, actually. That's yeah, there we go. Really yeah, like we haven't see. even talked about that. That's that's our actual yeah. goal well, here. Right, let's KD. Not, uh, like, I don't want to necessarily get onto that because then Ricky will never get to go to sleep. <laughs> but um, yeah, just just putting that out there, putting it into the universe. <laughs> KD to the Bulls. Let's let's make it happen. That's been Ricky's. Ricky's been hammering that home for a while now. That ultimately. <laughs> KD is where, where they need to go. <laughs> Zach's boy. They're buds. Yeah. Clearly, KD to Chicago. KD's not going to the highest bidder in a trade. He's going to pick his destination. So all he's got to do is tell him, trade me to the Bulls, and we're trading Vooch, four first-round picks, 11 <laughs> pick swaps, and Io, and Pat Williams for KD. So don't so that. Um, all right. Yeah. We should probably wrap it up here. You guys have any final thoughts here? Uh, or, or, or are we, are we good to go? I think we're good to go, man. I don't think you could take too many huge takeaways from this Bulls draft night. Other than once again, the Bulls drafted a guy who can't really shoot, but, uh, <laughs> has good all around glue guy type of skills. I guess final, final. What would you, what grade? Uh, people love draft grades. What grade would you give the Dale and Terry pick? I gave it a B. Yeah, all right. There you go. And that seems about right. Like I said, certainly doesn't seem like a home run. Maybe it does turn into one. But uh, given where the Bulls are at and what he brings, uh, a B sounds about right to me. So right. yeah. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Here. Kevin, thank, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, and we got free agency again coming up in basically a week. I believe that's June 30th. Uh, Thursday night, I think, is when the more tor- or whatever people can start talking to teams. Uh, obviously, the Bulls will ha- still have some work to do, I believe. We'll see what happens with Zach. Uh, the Bulls were asked about Zach. Uh, Mark Eversley was asked about Zach tonight, and uh, they asked him like straight up, uh, are you going to offer him a max? He obviously deflected naturally said we'll do whatever we take it takes to get zach back they better offer him a max the reporting is out there that he's going to be back so hopefully he's back and then the bulls will probably have that mid-level exception about 10 million dollars they should we'll see if they use it we'll see if they go into the tax we'll see what other moves they might make we'll see if the go bear thing comes to fruition or not either way uh the bulls obviously have some more to do after this draft and coming into free agencies and this is always a fun time of year so uh, we will be back. We'll probably do whenever the Bulls do make moves. Whatever they sign Zach, they sign somebody. We'll be we will be back here on Spotify Live to talk about it. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thank you Kevin again for joining us. So this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you once again and shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Talk, have a good night everybody, and we'll talk to you guys next time uh, after free agency.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.